I grew up in what could be classified and I would classify as an extreme religion. So there was no career expectations put on, but I knew in my heart that I was meant to do grander things. And the expectations that I had is what I put on myself. You're listening to the Freedom Lifestyle podcast series. I'm sharing relatable stories of freedom seekers who ditched conventional office life and courageously asked for more. The energy just completely shifted. My entire being just felt so free. My business was still generating income while I was on the beach. I decided to quit and just stay at home. I really can't work for anyone but me. It's literally just doing whatever the hell you want to do. As for me, I'm your host, Sam, and I've spent the last four years creating a business that allows me to work from anywhere. The freedom lifestyle looks different for everyone. What's your free? Today, you're going to meet Misty, who is a self-taught fashion designer and now owner of Own Studio, which offers a suite of products and services for aspiring fashion designers and business owners, everything from consulting with them on how to actually create their first line to supporting them every step of the way through apparel development, production, pattern drafting, and grading. And all of this is in pursuit of preserving traditions and the way that clothing has been made in the past and and how Misty hopes that it continues to be created in these sustainable ways. You're definitely going to learn a lot from this episode. And so with no further delay, meet Misty. Misty, welcome to the Freedom Lifestyle Podcast. How's your day going so far? It is going wonderful, and I'm very grateful to be invited and to share this space with you. Oh, I'm so grateful that you're here. When I met you, I thought your business model was so unique and so amazing. As someone who had had a fashion startup in the past, I really understood the problem that you were solving. So that's why I wanted to chat with you. But I'm also curious about your story of getting here. And I know you're, it says self-taught fashion designer, but I think your grandmother came into play a little bit. Can we talk a little bit about your childhood and your exposure to this industry and your grandma's role in shaping who you are today? Yeah, absolutely. So I grew up in a chaotic home environment where it was very difficult to thrive. My grandmother, I just had a very connected energy with her. I didn't realize until my adulthood that it was very special. I thought everyone was part of this little club, but it was definitely something between her and I. And she would scoop me up from my home and I would skip school, sometimes for weeks at a time. And I would stay at her place and we would sew until the middle of the night and then sleep till 11 and we'd wake up and she taught me everything that she knew when she was a master tailor and she had a a giant stash of fabric. So we would just pull whatever and just make and just be together. So with that, when you're in a chaotic environment and when you're working with your hands, it's so healing because you're so focused on your task on hand that you forget about everything that's out there. And you are engaging in a form of self-expression. So when you feel like you're not being heard, that is a place to be heard when you create something that's visual for the world, that's nonverbal. There is something unique about that. And growing up in poverty, not being able to have new school clothes, and I was able to make myself clothes and 
that was how I started finding my place in the world and what that felt like. When teachers would acknowledge me, it filled me up and gave me confidence where I felt like I didn't have that. I couldn't get that from anywhere else. That natural dopamine from that really saved my mental health straight up until today. Wow. That's very powerful. And what an outlet for you at such a young age. You mentioned school clothes. Like, were you literally making shirts and skirts that you would actually wear to school? How cool is that? Yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. And another thing too, is that my nature is to not really want to be seen. Like I'm not one comfortable with like photos being taken or things like that. I'm I'm a work in progress when it comes to that. But when you are wearing something that nobody else owns, it naturally draws attention. I was always drawing attention by my classmates and my teacher because I didn't look like anybody else. And I have very quirky, natural taste. Very cool. So it starts with your grandma, this beautiful outlet growing up where you had this place that you could go, where you could forget about all your other problems. And you could also feel really empowered by what you were creating the attention it gave you. So what did the next phase of your life look like? Of course, when we grow up, we have to start deciding what am I going to study in school? What kind of career path am I going to go forward with? Was there any type of expectation put on you from your family or your peers of what you should be doing that kickstarted things? Or what was that like? Well, in order to gain some form of financial stability, at a very young age, I started working and doing sewing for money. So that was my grandmother's, all her little senior friends would get me to fix their clothes. And then word got around in our little town and that opened up other little jobs for me. And then my friend's mothers would pay me to make my friend's clothes. And as you do that and you work with all these different things, like doing alterations and fixing people's clothes, you really understand garment construction. I really learned and absorbed how every piece of clothing was put together. And I retained all of that into even what I do today. There wasn't any expectation for success on me because I had family that struggled with mental health issues. I grew up in what would could be classified and I would classify as an extreme religion. So there was no career expectations put on. But I knew in my heart that I was meant to do grander things. And the expectations that I had is what I put on myself. It was what I saw, my idea of success in my social structure, from what I saw in media, that is what the expectations were. So it took me a long time to really shed that. And even to this day, I think this past year has been very enlightening for me where I really, truly shed all of that. And it took like so many years to get to this point. And now I feel like I am the freest that I've ever been, like the freest for my own self-expression, the freest for my business and my freest to enter other rooms where I never would have entered before to acquire new experiences to just make me better. Wow. So powerful. Setting your own expectations of success and you setting that ceiling and you setting that bar for yourself at such a young age that must have required a lot of like reflection and ability to dream and confidence in who you are and what was meant for you. What were some steps you had to take to get there? Like, did you have to physically leave the environment you were when you were growing up in? I would say if I look back at my younger self, I found it very horrifying because of the bubbles that I was raised in. But I started working full time at 12 years old and I got my first apartment at 15. Although I bounced back and forth between home and being completely independent, 
it took a lot of steps. And with that, I knew what I wanted. I wanted something great and something grand. And I didn't know how to get there because back then when I was a teenager in the industry, there's a lot of pretentiousness. There's a lot of nepotism. You couldn't get anywhere without a degree. I did not come from a background that that was even an option for me when you're just trying to survive. So how do I get from here to there? Okay, well, this is what I have to do. I have to be so confident in what I can do. I'm not allowed to let my inside match my outside because then I'll just shrink up. So my outside is this and my inside is vulnerable. That worked really well for me because that made me a sponge because I was always on alert because I always had to prove myself in some way. And my eye was always open for what other conversations were happening, what was happening around me so I can grab any opportunity. And I never said no to anything, whether I knew how to do it or not. Everything is figure outable. Everything is. And it may take you a little longer, but it can be done. So that inner dialogue and those modalities still stay true for me today. And what I do and the work that I do with my clients and even how I push myself for what I want to do to reach my goals for the future. Did you have a traditional nine to five corporate job ever that you had to say, this wasn't for me, I want to be my own boss? Or what was your transition to being a business owner like? How did you do that? I spent a lot of time in the restaurant industry because that gave me scheduling freedom. That gave me my days free so that I can do what I needed to do and I could build up my skills with my art. And that was always essential for me. And sometimes that took on management roles. I used to travel and train for restaurant openings. And then I went into retail store management. And then that was like the hardest part when you're tied to a mall and all you smell is, is popcorn and jugo juice. (laughs) (laughs) You don't see sunlight for like four days at a time. (laughs) And you know, all of the things, although I mildly enjoy it. It was, it wasn't very fulfilling. I know that's a wonderful job for some people, but it was that. And one day I came out, it was, this was actually in Calgary and I came out, it was like 4.30 in the afternoon and the sun was down and the snow was crunching under my feet. And I'm like, no way. I'm like, I can't do this anymore. I'm like, that's it. And I said to my husband, I'm like, he was my boyfriend at the time. I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore. And he was working at, at another company. He was doing a corporate job. And then we just didn't even have any planning. We just quit. Both of us were just like, to heck with this. And we quit. No planning, no anything. And I think that's how I approach everything. That's how I even approach this business. I'm just like, everything will fall into place as it needs to. And then shortly after, we moved to Vancouver. And then I just started picking up some of the pieces where I left off because I lived in Vancouver for a while and I did some costume design work here and stuff like that. I knew it was never for me because I was never, I never grew up in that structure. So I found the structure very suffocating for me. Some people thrive in that, but I'm just like, oh, like, and having to arrive, like you're five minutes late or nope, you can't leave until this. Oh, someone called in sick. You have to come in. And I'm just like, it resonates so differently when it's that, as opposed to, I need to be working an extra five hours today for my clients and facilitating their livelihood. That feeds your soul so differently than being instructed to what you need to do for your work. Totally. That's interesting that you made the point around you didn't grow up with a lot of structure. Like you referred to your 
your adolescent days and your childhood days of chaotic. And so that's kind of what you're used to. And then to be trying to fit into this mold of all these rules. No one's ever explained it to me that way, but maybe that's why one of my reasons that I couldn't handle it as well, because I also grew up in a very like chaotic, every day was different, lots happening, lots of unpredictableness in my childhood. I've never heard that connection made before, but that's got to have something to do with us now, adulthood looking like all this regimen. And that we're supposed to follow. We're like, I don't have the skills for this. This isn't my normal. (laughs) Right. And also, I came to a point of self-awareness where this was the case. And you do get that adrenaline rush by being in that environment. And I think that's why I liked the restaurant industry, because I'd be in this flow of constant movement and engagement and never a dull moment. And so I kind of operate like that with my children. And now I have this business. So I'm flowing between this. And it's just like bouncing back and forth and that energy. And then when it dies down... It is so easy to subconsciously make these decisions to invite chaos in a bad way, not in the productive way, but in the bad way, because that's your familiarity, because there's ebbs and flows in everything. And so when there's an ebb, and then it's just like, oh, I'm going to make subconsciously make a non-strategic decision that's going to add chaos to my life. So maybe I'll get some of this blood flowing a little bit more. And it took me a little while to really realize that that was my, my train of thought through this past year. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you've done quite a bit of work there. You might be a few steps ahead of me when it comes to that, (laughs) because I'm definitely hearing some things resonating there. So you and your partner, you did it together. How cool is that? You both quit your jobs, left Calgary, which is a whole other province, a whole other city, and came to Vancouver. What was the draw for your partner? Was he also fed up in his corporate job? Like for you, it was not seeing the daylight, suffocating, not being able to freely schedule your own self. What was it for him? Was it for you? Or did he also have some pain points in the nine to five lifestyle? It's so different. There's so many different psyches involved with like entrepreneurs and what really drives them. We're fueled by two different things. But even when we first met, he was never into the working for somebody else thing. He always wanted to do something else. And he dabbled in a lot of things. And we ended up doing a startup right when we had children, which is not for the faint of heart because he had just had enough of what he was doing. And so we started our first company over 10 years ago with a toddler, me with a giant belly and um, $160 because we were really like scraping by at that time on one income and we made it work. So we passed that threshold of, of that failure rate and things are going really, really good and we're getting ready to scale that. So it's definitely always been in him. And he's a lot more cool, collected, strategic, mild-mannered, patient than I am. So we're two very different personalities, but we have the same goal. And I think we work really well creatively together. It's easy to romanticize when partners work together. And there's a lot of business people that say, do not go into business with your partner. But it has worked really well for us. And sometimes we're like this and sometimes like we're close together. Sometimes we're apart and in our views and our goals and all that. But we always come back together. I'm really, yeah, it's, it's a lot of work. It's not easy, but it's definitely worth it. 
Yeah, my partner and I, we have a few different ventures together and projects we're doing. And I think if you can make it work, it can be amazing. There's so Mm -hmm. many benefits in that, but it can be also really detrimental. I started my first business with my two best friends and unfortunately, none of us are friends anymore. And it did ultimately ruin what was such a beautiful relationship. So business can be really tricky that way. And then now we've been at it for so long and our kids are big that it's so important for us to set an example to show what this is all about and what we're building for them and that they can be a part of what it's like to not give up and that resiliency and for them to see the flexibility that is possible by creating our family dynamic, our freedom for having a strong family dynamic. And so in terms of that example that you're setting for your kids, do you hope that they pursue entrepreneurship or business knowing all the ups and downs that it's had for you? Is that a life you would want for them? I ask that because sometimes I talk to friends whose parents were entrepreneurs and it was such a grind that they're like, I want something totally different from you. And honestly, my grandparents were kind of like that. They were always like collecting money and had so much accounts receivable. And it was so challenging for them that they just wanted me to do something more secure. What do you hope for them, if if anything at all in particular? Mm, that's a really good question. Because now as they get older, and I see the, the true nature of their personalities and where their drives really are and special interests, boy, I wish them happiness. I don't wish them ease. I don't. But that's okay, because they have support from their mom and their dad. I think it's a muscle. You have to build this muscle and ease does not allow you to be a dynamic, resilient adult. They can do whatever fills their heart. And in this day and age, you can monetize pretty much anything. I try not to be a no person, but I really, really hope that they don't commit to post-secondary education without a pure purpose. I think that's, that's a fear of mine. You know, I think that can create a lot of lost intentions and things like that is what I've seen. And, and, but if they do, I I support that as well. There's no, and who knows, things have changed so much in the past 10 years. Who knows what it's going to be like when it's time for them to do what they need to do. So Mm -hmm. things are changing a lot in education and, and hopefully changing for the better. There's been so much brokenness in the system and, I actually interviewed someone a couple of days ago who's now a professional poker player who growing up in high school, she was terrible at math. She was like, I have no use for this. I have no applications for this. I don't understand why I need to know about statistics, probability, any of these things. And she's like, I'm a math genius now. She's like, I didn't even know this, but now that I have like an actual use for this knowledge, you can tap into this like natural strength and natural interest and curiosity. And that's been the gap that's really been missing in education is learning for the sake of learning. We're like, why? Her story really stuck with me. That's so interesting. And like, and that's just it. Like there's no set way for anything. You know what I mean? Because, well, regardless, any path does serve a purpose. Like if I didn't have my chaotic upbringing, I wouldn't have gone the direction that I did. And there was a time where I felt almost resentful for it. But it's only until you get a 
place of healing and pure gratitude, not saying that you're grateful, where you're just like, holy crap, thank God that happened to me. And then it gives you that opportunity for perspective. I think that's really interesting. I think you being having the opportunity to speak to so many people, you have an opportunity to get a good perspective of all of the nuances involved on this topic. Yeah, totally. It's it's really interesting. So I want to come back to why I was interested in chatting with you in the first place and your very unique business model. So to kind of close the loop on this really powerful journey of you just always knowing you were meant for more and complementing that with your beautiful relationship with your grandmother, which I think I shared with you when we met, my grandma and I are super close to, and we have that kind of special bond. And I know exactly what you're talking about and how rare it really is and how much she shaped your interest in fashion. And now you're back in that space, right? Mm -hmm. You left for a bit, you did the restaurant world, you had this property maintenance business with your partner. Now, what are you building and offering? Let's talk a little bit about that. For sure. So I never really stopped the making, the creating and the designing. That was always part, like that was a daily, almost a daily practice for me. I'm always almost insatiable at that. And people make fun of me because no matter where I am, like I open up seams and I like look inside linings and I'm like, what, how did they do this? I'm really (laughs) geeky that way. Can you just take Um, these pants off real quick? I just want to like inspect something. (laughs) I've fully done that. I'm like, give me your hem. I want to see that hem. (laughs) So I've always fed this and it wasn't even until my, my husband brought it up to me and he's just like, you don't realize like how special everything is that you've acquired. And it's because I fed this for over 25 years, full circle into my business. So I had all of my equipment because I actually had a, a swimwear line back in 2007. And I shelved it for deep personal reasons. And I had all of my equipment that I was using for production. And I'm like, I should sell all of this because we had just had a surprise baby. I'm like, am I ever going to do this again? Let's just sell it. I'll pay off my credit cards. But there's a part of me in my soul where I'm just like, that's part of my identity. I'm like, that's, I just felt like I didn't want to let it go. So I did this thing. I'm like, is this my ego? I should pour myself into my family. All of this internal thing. And my amazing, incredible husband, <laughs> I'm always looking on MLS. And then I found this spot in the mountains. I showed it to him and he's like, let's go look at it. And it was like a no brainer for him. Like the overhead was very high. We had a little bit of a nest egg saved up and he's like, let's just do it. So I kept all my equipment. I loaded it in there. We were in the thick of the nasty part of COVID. And that's when I really understood. And I saw the trouble that the kids were having. And I was really feeling that I'm like this, what I did, like saved my life. I really feel like it did. If I didn't have this outlet to secure my mental health and my place on this planet and being able to be active like this and forget that outside world for a little while so that I can strengthen myself up and brave it when I needed to, I'm like, everyone's hurting right now. So I was really hoping to have a a space for that. But it was very kumbaya and not everybody else was ready. And it it was very interesting to see when I opened the doors to the public, how, how hard it was for people to really embrace being together. They couldn't be embraced. It was very, you could just see it. And so I still feel like we we still have a lot of healing to do. So I'm still going to continue on maybe that path and maybe in another form when using this space, but it didn't work. So I had to pivot. And another thing I realized was, I think I mentioned earlier, like, you know, you have the outside not matching the outside. So I had this business, but I didn't want my face to be seen. I didn't want my face on Instagram. It was just like my logo. I was not comfortable being on social media or having my picture taken. I feel like I'm so awkward. I didn't even get 
a photographer at our wedding because I'm like, and I didn't even want a wedding. <laughs> I'm, just like, I'm like, take me into the forest with the trees and like, let's get married. And then we had our caterer take a couple pictures of our wedding. I just looked at them. We got married nine years ago and I just looked at them like three weeks ago. I'm not kidding when I say like, I don't like it. I'm, be- I'm much better now. I'm much better now. Anyway, I didn't want to be part of that. And then as soon as I like opened up and I allowed my face to be seen, it's like ripping off that bandaid, building that muscle and getting comfortable. I really put myself and make a commitment to put myself in different rooms with different people. And that's how I had the privilege to meet you. And then that sort of grows. And then all of a sudden I'm just like, oh, wait a second, I'm hiding. What is it in me that does not want to be seen? Why am I hiding my skills that I've spent so long acquiring and how come I'm not sharing them with the world? We all have a purpose. We all have a purpose to contribute and to grow our community and to make things better for those around us. And I believe that. So how come I'm not applying that for myself? And then as soon as I had that aha moment, it was like I had, it's almost like a download. We're just like, oh, this is what I'm going to do. And that also refired up all of my passions and my excitement. And all of a sudden, my, my work capacity increased and I found my joy again. And it wasn't, it wasn't, sometimes you don't find, you don't realize that certain areas were lacking joy until you find it again. You're just like, oh, there's a lot of shadows way over there. And so being able to find that joy again and then do that in my business, then it was just like, ready to go. It's just full. It's been full force and pretty incredible. So. Wow. And so you pivoted because originally the vision was, is it co-working space or maker space? How would you describe how you wanted to physically use the space and how would you describe how the space is being used now, or maybe is about to be used? I'm not sure where you are in the launch of it. Right. Okay. So I named the studio own. So that's for old ways, new era. So that mm. is pretty much the whole essence of what I had hoped to achieve and I still hope to achieve. It is taking these old traditional ways, modalities, these skills that are dying and bringing them into the now. So there's not that grandmother engagement as much anymore. Not everybody has that. We don't pass down skills from generation to generation like we did. And with that, what are we going to do with all of this knowledge? And there's certain things that you just can't get off of YouTube or read from a book. And there's something very special about that human connection that you have when you're making somebody else and they're teaching you those things. So I wanted it to not just be a makerspace, but actually a good learning facility and bring in different creators from all sorts of different backgrounds where people can learn and share. With that, I also had like creative co-working days. It's sometimes it's mundane to be in the same space when you're creating to, to come to a new fresh space. And when that happened, when I realized that the flow of people were not coming in and there's a lot of other difficulties, I think there's also, if I'm going to be totally honest, there's a idea that people have about business owners and entrepreneurs that we're have a lot of money that by default, there must be some reason why we have this business without seeing like what actually goes into it. And so there was a, a lot of expectation for not paying for the space and things like that. So I'm just like, it just, even just, it was like a 50, 50 ratio. Mm. And it just kind of really pulled me into a negative space. And it pulled so much energy that I couldn't create freely myself, which is what I wanted to do. So that's when I pivoted. And so what I actually actively do now is I do rent out one area, the lemur area for people that need it. So if you want to host seminars, there's like therapy, women, well, women's wellness, tutoring, 
little seminars, coaching and things like that that do happen up here. And then I have a showroom which displays what can be produced in the studio. And I have a 1200 square foot full production studio with industrial sewing machines. So I work with whether you have an existing brand or you want to start an apparel brand, I can help you through every step of the way. And Vancouver is a very small pool of incredible talent, but by nature of the small pool, it's very gatekeepy and it's very hard to be able to penetrate into the talent to get the things done that need to get done. So I really focusing on pulling back the curtain, having an open door policy and the whole sort of culture that I have with my staff and with my clients is education along the way. So I do do consulting to help people do like accelerated knowledge on the whole technical aspect and complexities, but I also educate all of my clients along the way. Knowledge is power. They need tools in their tool belt. And you don't know what you don't know, especially when there's so many different aspects, so many nuances and how to handle so many different creative people in your line in order to get your end product. My hope is that they leave stronger and better or stay in link arms and, and I can help facilitate their growth. Okay. So there's two types of kind of models and product offerings. One is I can come in and you can consult with me and you can help me avoid a lot of the mistakes that we know fashion entrepreneurs can make in creating their first line. I know I've been there and it can Mm -hmm. be more of like strategy sessions. And then after that, this is actually a physical space to actually create the garment as well or vice versa. It's one or the other, right? Yes. And it's full integration. So it's everything from pattern drafting to sourcing to the cut and sew process. So I can be a one-stop shop if you want, if you just want to do the development aspect of it. And I also operate with no minimum order quantities. So there's not a giant paywall in order to get your product to market. That's huge. It is huge. And I do like the whole costing analysis, help people understand their margins and what that sort of looks like as they grow and they scale. I really also open up the doors and help them along the way to think a little bit outside the box. So I have a photography area. So if we do sample meetings and we do a product development and it's almost done and ready to be produced, you have a sample meeting, then let's go take some photos. Let's get a photographer. We have a fit model already. Let's take some photos, get your product up for pre-sale. Let's get the ball rolling, get the visuals out there that you need to do while we do production. And then as that goes, if you do pre-sale, that chunk of money is so important when you're trying to grow a product line. Then you can use that to sort of fuel the next run and it sort of, it, it sort of flows in together and really eliminates a lot of the pain and agony involved. So there's, there's so many different ways to make it work for product lines. And I really feel like there's so much opportunity in Canada. We're becoming more conscious consumers. So made in Canada products are very valuable to a big portion of the population. So as we're sort of shifting away, it's a great opportunity to really get ahead of that curve, especially if you've been sitting on an idea because there's so many holes in the market. There's holes in the market for basic necessity items. There's holes in the market for cultural expression. There's also opportunity. There's so many people, business owners that have created communities. And there's so much opportunity for customizable merchandise to sort of leverage within your community. Like, I love the idea of being able to facilitate other people's self-expression. Absolutely. And you're so right. The shift away from fast fashion and overseas production and all of that 
things are really changing, especially with the younger generation. And I think it's really smart. I know that I felt when I was creating my fashion line that unless I went to overseas production or unless I started to sacrifice some of my sustainability values, I wasn't going to be able to have those profit margins or have that sustainability because there was just such an upfront investment and so much waste in the process in terms of mistakes I was making. So I really believe in what you're creating. Is there a virtual component as well? Like, are you only offering this available to residents of BC in Canada right now? Or do you offer a video call for someone who's more interested in the consultation stuff? Oh, yeah. Consultation is online. Perfect. I do have a what we're going to be working on in the very short time is I'm going to just start filming on a regular basis to really bring in these skills and how we can integrate them into modern production, these grandma skills, these artistic and creative skills, and how we can integrate those into telling our voices and our message in, in addition to all the technical aspects. So I will have online courses coming up, yeah, within the next 12 months. There's a lot in the pipeline that is all working very beautifully together. And I'm on a mission. Like I'm seriously on a mission. Like there's like, there's nothing holding me back right now. And I'm very excited for what's ahead. Well, I can feel that fire within you and given everything you shared about not being comfortable coming on camera, putting yourself out there, I want to acknowledge that coming on this show may have been a bit of a a small leap for you. It sounds like you've already kind of ripped the bandaid, but I really appreciate it because this mission is worthy of telling people about and people should know about it. And so I feel honored that I get to share it with the community. For those listening who might want to take you up on some of these offers, where's the best place to find you, to learn more about your business, learn more about your services? My studio is called OWN. So that's O-W-N-E. My website is own.ca. And both my Facebook and Instagram are at OWN Studio. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Misty. It's been awesome getting to know your story. When we first met at Robbins, I had no idea about this past. I was just so impressed by where you're at right now. So it's been really awesome to hear how you got to that. Thanks for being so vulnerable and open. I'm very grateful for the opportunity. Bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to another episode. If this one inspired you to take action, but you could use some help on your plan, or perhaps you've got too many ideas bouncing around in that beautiful brain of yours, you'd love some clarity on your strategy, what you should pursue first and why. Well, I am now offering one-on-one freedom coaching sessions. You can book these at buymeacoffee.com slash What's your free? This is our opportunity to have a virtual coffee together. Spend an hour getting clarity on how you can unlock more freedom and flexibility in your life. On these calls, you can ask me anything, but here are some things that I'm an expert in. Creating a location-independent lifestyle. Building service-based and freelance businesses. Leveraging the gig economy and platforms like Fiverr. Utilizing podcasts to build your personal brand and developing passive income streams. So book your freedom coaching session with me at buymeacoffee.com slash what's your free. I would love to have a virtual coffee with you.